podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. Come on, Episode 4, Season 12 of the Fight Club Podcast. My name is Flav, and on the show this week, we got Ricky, fresh off his two-week holiday with his wife and children. How was that? It, it, it's not as good. It's not as doesn't matter what anyone says. It's not as good as three days with Amsterdam with the boys. Just <laughs> is it? Yeah, you'd be... Uh, well, they're, they're two different types of holidays, aren't they, really? Yeah, one, absolutely. One is gorging yourself, and one is um, just... Laying down in the sun, really. How much food did you eat? I bet you've you, you put on about three stone. Yeah, I did. Like The thing is as well, like, I'm, I'm at a time in my life where um, I can uh, afford I can afford to eat nicer food. Oh, really. well, I, I, did, I didn't want to go. <laughs> what are you talking? Uh, well, I don't know. I didn't want to go to the same fucking uh, English and Irish bars where Brenda is knocking her out. A shepherd's pie for five euros, like all dayers, and and all that lot. That's fine, but I'm at that point where it's like I just I, I want to eat something that's just not been in a Chinese Tupperware box for the past you, six months in the freezer. You don't. You basically don't want to be served, and then like it, on, like every now and then it's all right, but then and and you just be served, and you walk off, and some massive knockers just rub against your shoulders as they walk off. It's not always <laughs> the best look. There's no, I mean, is that, I can't, sometimes I think, is that, maybe that's misogynistic, I don't know. Just to, maybe referring to breasts is not, as knockers is the problem. I don't know, Mark, have you got any input here? <laughs> I've learned recently to just stay out of it when you're going on one of these things, because it's just, it's just better for everyone. <laughs> I'm asking so, you to help less, me, I'm not staying. Stay, I know, stay. I try, see, when we first met, Flav, I tried to help you, and then you just kept going, I'm like, I can't. Maybe if the, this this most holiest of thou ginger socialist man can't even help Flav, then you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just the races run. I haven't been cancelled just yet, but we uh, just think. waiting for the. Waiting but no, I think it. I think I think it's the word knockers. Yeah, just just avoid knockers. Okay, breasts. Some massive breasts rubbing against the back of your shoulders as uh, mm. she drops off your ham and eggs. It's not what you want Mammaries. every single. Memories. I mean, you've added one. You've added one. So you're a part of the problem. Uh, yeah, so you had a great holiday, Ricky. Uh, Mark, how have you been since you last been on? It's been a few weeks. This Mark is also a part of the um, the, the, the the Danish speaking podcast, which is Luna Whiteheart Danes. Yes. So if you're one of the yes. very few, few uh, Danish speakers who listen to the Fighting Cock and you want to hear people speaking in your native tongue about Tottenham Hotspur, then you can do that at that podcast, which I can ne- I'll never remember the name of. Um, but I do support it. And I support you in all your ventures, Mark. Thank you. L- lots, <laughs> uh, lots coming up uh, in this episode. We're, we've obviously been talking about the shithousery of Tottenham Hotspur and the club that we've turned into, the hair pulling, the goading, the crying, the absolute bizarre pure, uh, piousness from, uh, from Chelsea Football Club. And they've some, suddenly sort of turned into this holier-than-now football club that never done anything wrong in the history of their, uh, their being. Uh, obviously, the overall performance, that last second, second winner... Uh, but before all that, for the last time for a, just a little bit, um, this is the NordVPN read. And um, well, I thought the best thing to do here, because we've kind of, I think we've exhausted the porn jokes. Although they weren't really jokes, they were just talking about Ricky's experiences. But 
I thought the best thing to do is to sort of reiterate some of the amazing things you can do with NordVPN just for the price of a coffee. So you can watch Spurs games that are broadcast anywhere in the uh, outside of the UK at any time. As long as they're not broadcast here, you'll be able to find them. So uh, 3pm games on a Saturday, you can go and get them from uh, America or Australia or wherever, wherever else in the world. They may be broadcast in the Premier League rights. If, this is the best one for me, right? If you're travelling to... Rick, if you're travelling to... Where, where have you just been? Where have you just been? Spain. Yeah, you've just been to Spain. How much are your flights? Grand. Fucking hell, really? Yeah, for four. Okay, all right, I was just saying. You don't have to quickly qualify it. The grand's still expensive, isn't it? Right, okay, yeah. But, you, know, you can use NordVPN to set your computer to a different area of the world and get flights cheaper. Because airlines set their prices depending on demand of that specific area. So Spurs are playing, if we draw fucking Porto um, next in, in the Champions League shortly then um, you can use NordVPN to just make it look like you're not buying them from London, England. And um, the price is... Is that how it works? So if I I was to uh, dabble in Nord... um, Well, you should be already... But yeah. No, but because I'm a bit of a technophobe, so I've I needed to I needed to hear you sell it to me. A few but times. The, it's funny you say that, Ricky, because so, so am I. I genuinely am. And as soon as you download it, it just exists in the background. And whenever you want to change to a different country, like and it's literally got a map on your screen, and you click say Denmark, and if you want to download the Danish Spurs podcast called Mark Luna White Hard Danes. If you if you want if you want to download that quicker than you can in the UK, you use a server in the, in, in in Denmark just by clicking on the map. So if you, I mean, if you've got if you're struggling with your geography and you don't know where Denmark is in Europe, then it might, you might struggle with the with the app. But otherwise, it's just it runs in the background. Whenever you want it, just click on the, the the thing in your taskbar, and you can access it and change your server wherever. It's so fucking easy. What so different t- so different tickets and travel and shit like that. Yes. While I'm on my laptop from the UK and I'm yeah. trying to buy yeah, different yeah, yeah. things, I'm being yeah. charged more. Yes. Or potentially, and I could use 100%. that and, then, and buy something. You what are. What the fuck? Really? Right, so, 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 so Spurs get Porto, right? You could go use NordVPN, go to use a different uh, area of the world, whatever the service. This service in practically every country in, on the planet. And you can book cheaper flights, cheaper hotels, cheaper ta- um, car hire. Anything. So imagine okay. like imagine there's like twenty lads, twenty of you, go and watch Spurs versus Sevilla or Real Madrid or wherever we get gets you know drawn against throughout our run towards Champions League glory this season. Using NordVPN, you can actually save huge amounts of money on twenty people. I'm like you're talking you're talking hundreds and hundreds of pounds, not small amounts. And imagine, <laughs> Rick, we've been away. Not that we've ever got up to any of this sort of stuff, but imagine the amount of money that we could have in the kitty, in, in, in the whip, for all the debauchery that goes on on lads' tours away in Europe. And if there are any uh, ladies listening and your husband or partner goes on these trips, it's not him, but there are others, then you're, you, can have, you can put so much money in the whip just by doing this. You had someone organised just to download NordVPN and get it. And uh, like I say, price of a cup of coffee is going to save you tons of money. I'm not even mucking about. It's such a good um, a product. Uh, finally, uh, if you can get, if you, I mean, all everyone has Netflix. You can you can log in in. Uh, so you can use a server in Guatemala uh, for 99p. You can pick up Netflix for a month, which will cost you what 12 pounds for a year, and it costs you a 
cup of uh, the price of a cup of coffee nordvpn anyway grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash the fighting cop to get a huge discount on your nordvpn plan an additional one month free it's completely risk-free as nordvpn offer a 30 back 30 day money back guarantee sorry so that was a bit bumbly but i've been on a really long weekend and i came back I came back to i flew back from scotland for from a wedding and landed and as we were landing it occurred to me that Spurs were playing Chelsea uh, in London Derby at Stamford Bridge. And I'd felt fine about it all last week. But Mark, what, what was your feelings going into the game? Did you, like me, share an air of trepidation going into the, into, into the uh, what would you, I don't know what fucking what would you call this Derby, just them lot? Them lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's fast turning into a... A worse, not worse, but a, a bigger derby than the Arsenal one. But um, but anyway, we can talk about that later. Um, I was actually, I was more confident than I think I've been in a long time. Um, certainly after after the, the, the terrible uh, three games on the Conte we had against Chelsea last season. Um, and I was definitely, I definitely, I mean, in, with hindsight, I probably underestimated Chelsea a little bit because they, they did look pretty strong. But I, I was, I was... I was real positive. I was real positive. I was real. I was looking forward to it. I thought we was gonna, we was gonna, you know, go out there and, and and make a good show of ourselves. And I think we did. But but um, I was a little bit. I mean, I was I was quickly taken down a couple of pegs in the first sort of yeah, after the first sort of ten minutes. But yeah, well, less than that, two minutes actually, or three I think, minutes. I think, op- I think we had a, we had a decent opening, sort of five six minutes. Um, we wanted to be in there, but but it quickly sort of. We are we are going to talk about the actual performance and what went on in the game shortly. But before that, I just want to talk about the mentalness because we can talk about a football game. There's going to be tons of them this season. And none of them will have the drama of this one, Rick. Um, so I want to ask you a question first. If Romero didn't play for Tottenham Hotspur, would you hate his guts, Ricky? Absolutely. You would. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like uh, Lamella as well. Like when you have players that um, I think they mentioned it on Sky Sports that. Uh, uh, dabble in the dark arts. Wait, so when so when when people say that, they're just saying Argentine players. That's what they're saying. But they don't. They're too scared to say it. Well, you you Lamella, say Ro- it. yeah, hundred percent. Lamella. Do you remember when? Would you, do you remember when? Uh, and, and this isn't my view. I'm just saying what people are thinking when they say it. Mate, they, it, sounds, it pretty much sounds like it's your view. They've got a track record. Is what I'm saying. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm not talking about the war either. I'm talking about Maradona. I'm talking about <laughs> Simeone. Against um, David Beckham, yeah. I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, Pochettino. Talking about like simulation is a part of the game. It's about winning free kicks. Lamella's just constant shithousery, and now we've got Romero. That is a track record, probably where prejudices are formed, and out of those prejudices, horrors can be made and, and created in society. But in footballing sense, so far. At Spurs, there have been there has been a track record with Argentine players being a little bit of, uh, enjoying the needle. It's a part part of their game, apparently. If you believe Graham Sooners, really throw him in there and make it about him. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but like it's, he's it, it is a massive part of his game. We're not just talking about his, his attacking the attacking sort of aggressiveness. The, there's a lot of it. There's the hair pulling. There's the screaming in. Uh, Aspilicueta's face or so when we scored uh, Rhys James right sorry Rhys James and it, uh, the fact that it's happening at, at Spurs and he's our player and it might give us the advantage it's fine isn't it 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, we are going to lap that up. And I think when you play, you need a certain set of... If you had a team, if you had like 11 players and they were all of the same temperament, you're never going to win games. Well, or at least be a kind of challenging for the title. You need uh, the makeup of many different people within your team. You need the shit houses. You need the the people that will come round and try and calm a situation. You need like loads of different uh, like fiery temperaments, whatever it might be. Um, and Romero is kind of the, the shit housery for us. And if he was on another, if he was on another team, everyone in the league would hate him. But when he's one of your own, you fucking love it. And I, you know, I. If that's what it takes to win games where you do have um, kind of where you're crowding for a corner and you pinch someone or you pull their arm hair or their chest hair or, or you know, accidentally tread on the back of their, their heel, whatever it might be, and act all innocent. And as long as you don't get caught doing it and you rile up the other player and they do something stupid, they lose focus, you know, it's all part of the game, man. And I fucking welcome it. But then if we did have 11 players... That was shit housing every fucking game, like, like the old Wimbledon or something like that. Then yeah, I don't think we'd get very far. But um, you know, a, a lovely sprinkle of of bastards is exactly what you want. And bring it on. Just quickly, um, Romero will face no further action on what he did, um, which of course was grab Cucurella by his hair and just literally yank him down to the down to the ground. Apparently, it. Hair pulling in the Premier League is not is not listed as an offence. It's not something that happens typically in football, so therefore it's not listed as an offence. And it wasn't enough to be violent conduct, more poor sportsmanship somehow. But what Chelsea were annoyed at, I think, was the fact that why didn't it result in a free kick? VAR looked at it, and if it isn't a red card, then they can't advise the referee to give him a yellow. So therefore, the corner was awarded. What did you make of that situation, Mark? I mean, it's, it is it is like you said, by the letter of the law, that there's, there's if the ref doesn't see it and, and somehow calls a free, a free kick for, for, for whatever reason he feels he sees fit, VAR doesn't have, it's, it's not there for them. Because like you say, it's not, it's not violent conduct by the letter of the law. So it's not a red card. Um, they can't stop play and, and, and advise... Um, ref, the ref to go and, and and watch on the screen or whatever. So, so you know, it, as shit as it is, and as mad as it is, probably it's it's fine. It's and, so funny you know, because Spurs fans, it's easy for us to sit and say that as well. Because if that was against us, we'd be fucking fuming as well, right? Yeah, but I've, I've I do, not I acknowledge that it wasn't a red card. I'd, I'd acknowledge it's not a red it. card. No, it's, it's, it's not a red card. It's not violent conduct. Like he he didn't he didn't injure Kukurek. Kukurek got up straight away. When, why why are you pulling my hair? But he's not injured. That's violent conduct. Or, or there's no so risk what, of injury. What, what is violent conduct? Because I, I mean, like violent, gra- grabbing someone by the back of their hair and like a handful yanking them down to the ground seems pretty violent to me. Now it's not a an elbow to the face yeah. or punching them or, or like kicking them in their chest, or whatever. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> aggressive. And I, like what afterwards when they said, "Oh, it's just going to to VAR," and I was like, "Right, fucking great. This is." This is all we need now. This is where he's going to get sent off, yellow card, whatever. And I just said, right, playing on to the corner. And I was like, holy fuck. What? Like, how has nothing, well, I... <laughs> nothing happened? Nothing. 
Well, I mean, nothing. A violent, a violent, a violent conduct is like a dig in the face or a headbutt. Yeah, there has to be risk. So, so there has to be either actual, like a, a use or an attempt to use excessive force or brutality. I think the rule is, um, which I don't think hair pulling constitutes. Well, is there? It's just not it has in to be the when it's, when it's, hmm? It is in rugby. It's an offence in rugby, but it isn't in football. Um, look, if you're in, a, if you're in, a, if you're having a ruck in the street and someone pulls your hair in a, as an advantage and then batters the shit out of you. It's on you for having long hair. So if anything, it's Cucurella's fault. <laughs> I had a funny thought, right? If, if, uh, if, if John Bass was an elite-level footballer and he was up against Romero, how many different types of hair do you think he could pull off John Bass? The problem, the problem with John like Bass... arm hair, hair shoulder well, hair... Well, the problem with John Bass is that a Cucurella would have stuck to his back like Velcro. And he would just be... And, but John Bass is so big, right? That Cucurella <laughs> is so little that he would just... He would, he'd be sort of flying off him like a cape. They, they, John Bass would have no idea he's even on him. It's, like, it's, that just, it's stuck, stuck to him on his back, and they're saying, John, John, he's like behind you, and he's turning round, but he doesn't know that he's just, there because he's just stuck to his back and he can't feel him. Just flying around. Like, like, like that like episode of South Park with the nurse that has the fetus growing off her head, which is big Kukurea sitting off big John Bass's face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so it, we, we kind of, it felt like we got away with it, and obviously the, the resulting... Um, the result of that was the goal. And again, we're going to talk about the goal. We're talking about the performance in a bit. But the bigger reaction was what was happening on the touchline, Conte versus Tuchel. So we just started with the, the first goal where, you know, we'd equalised, well, Spurs' equaliser, which was on the back of this uh, Bentancourt tackle. Now, I know we're all Spurs fans. What was your first thought when you saw Bentancourt make that tackle, Rick? Uh, I'd probably say it was a foul. Didn't get the ball. Um, yeah, I, I thought he didn't get the ball either. But then I watched it back and he got <clears> the faintest <throat> of touches. Now, if you get the faintest of touches, does that constitute as a, a, a great tackle? tackle? Or even if you kind of take the player out and you just graze the ball, is that is that then a, what you call it, a, a foul? Like, well, it's debatable, but so it's down to the decisions that the ref makes. So if the ref has clearly said that that was a good tackle or, or a um, lawful tackle, then VAR, unless he's made a, a gross error, can't and won't overturn it. And when you look at it back in slow motion, you can see he touches the ball with his toe and puts it away. The ball changes direction. And then he makes, just as a split second later, makes a connection with Havertz's ankle. I appreciate, though, that Tuchel, Tuchel, Tuchel rather might have thought differently because like that's why I asked you about what you thought beforehand is you know it probably looked like a foul but actually wasn't yeah totally it's one of those it's one of those ones where it does go either way and obviously for us it's gone our way so we are naturally going to say oh yeah great tackle and and at the time I was I was thinking it was a foul but um no it went our way so fuck it and then obviously it went up the other end and um, Jorginho tried to do some mental, something mental in, in, in the box, so I drag back and flick it up, bounced off Son, uh, eventually came back to Hoybier and he struck a good, I was surprised it went in, but obviously saw it go in and went mental, but you know, it, it, was, it was well struck and hit the corner. Um, and there was the second part that was, you know, controversial, which was the line of view. But I don't know if you guys have seen the view where it showed... Uh, Mendy's, you know, how, whether or not he could see the ball 
based on Richarlison's position when Hoybier struck. Now, in motion, it's difficult to see, but as he struck the ball, Mendy could see. So, again, it's not, it's not an issue. It wasn't an issue. But in the touchline, obviously, Tuchel went crazy. So, two things he was really angry about. Did you think that Conte, when, he, when, when we scored, did he react to Tuchel, in your opinion, Mark? Or was it just sort of a coming together as it, as it happens? Or was Tuchel on his way to complain? Well, how did you think that happened? It kind of looks like Conte turned towards the Chelsea dugout a little bit. He, he, he definitely did a little bit. He was definitely, he did, did the classic Conte, you know, screaming, turning around to his bench, running over, hugging the bench. And then immediately after, he, he started facing Tuchel. But Tuchel as well. And he'd done this all game up until he was like that. He was in the fourth official's ear, like constantly jabbering at him. And he did that for the goal. He was, he was still going on at them about the free kick, um, supposed free kick. Uh, on uh, Havertz by, by Bentoncourt. So I think it was more of a reaction to Conte seeing Tuchel fucking going on uh, and complaining uh, rather than actually just out of the blue jumping on Tuchel. Um, I, read, I read something earlier that um, from that one uh, where it looks like Conte is turning around to Tuchel and pumping, pumping his arms that he was actually doing it to the away fans. Now, I can't... I haven't... I haven't gone back through the the footage to be able to understand whether that's where the actual Tottenham fans were and that's how it that's how I mean, it comes across but I guess it was in that direction for sure because they're on that left-hand side in the corner but there you go that's what it was then it's a long way to celebrate with the Spurs fans you know I'm going to celebrate I'm going to turn away to celebrate with you but of course you're, it, you're like 80 yards away <laughs> he's 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 done it obviously to Tuchel and to the uh to, to give it some to the Tottenham fans, or at least have that cover-up anyway of doing it, which I fucking love even more. And then, of course, um, Chelsea score again. And Tuchel reacts. Bearing in mind, they're both in their 50s. Uh, Tuchel reacts and charges down the, down the, um, the touchline. Apparently, I, I was listening to John Bass on the five statements on Patreon, fightingcock.co.uk, uh, um, the... the Leaving your technical area is the yellow card, and yeah. apparently he already yeah. ha- had. Is that did he already have a yellow card? Is that did I mishear him? Uh, I don't the, know. The, I don't know whether he had right. uh, a yellow card previously, but I know that is a yellow card offence. And off he went. And I don't. I don't necessarily think it should be because obviously the game's about emotion. You don't want to sort of box people in literally too much. But he, off he went, and I was thinking, you're not celebrating with Chelsea fans. All you want to do there is run past Conte and give it some because to, to some degree, you're in your rights to do it. You get some, you've got to take it. And I thought Conte did well in sort of putting his head down and walk past him and you know just deal with it. But did you see Conte's social media post late last night, Mark or Rick? Yeah. yeah. I've essentially said, if I'd seen this, I'd have tripped you over. <laughs> He's, he's sort of like you're, 57 you're years old. Yeah, you're lucky I didn't see you. You're lucky I didn't see you. I love it. Are we, uh, I mean, are we, are we the baddies now? Are we the baddies? No. Are we, I mean, I mean it kind of did remind me a little bit. That walking away from this game reminded me of the, the Peep Show. The Peep Show sketch where they've gone to, oh, yeah. they've, they've gone to this war sort of remembrance thing where everyone dresses up in character and they talk to each other and they play parts. And uh, Mark ends up dressing up like uh, with, with his friend who, who ends up being a severe racist. 
as a sort of not quite a Nazi uniform, but very close to. <laughs> he he looks at the camera. Are we are we the baddies? Is it, do you feel like Spurs are becoming the baddies in this? Chelsea it, they've been so bad for so long that a few games where we kind of turn up and shit, shit house a bit doesn't make us the baddies, does it? Do you feel like we're the baddies or not, Rick? No, I mean, like I said earlier, that you you need a certain kind of uh, the makeup of characters within your team, and Romero um, being a shit house and and Conte as well of turning around and pumping his arms at Tuchel, and then knowingly that the Tottenham fans are in that area to, as they kind of get out to say, "I oh, was celebrating with the Tottenham fans." But he knew what he was doing, and the thing is, like fucking, it's great. I love that. Like I know. Um, uh, I shouldn't say his name, Mourinho, but I love the mind games, the shithousery, the, like, what they say and what they do and um, the kind of theatre of it all and the pantomime villain. I love all that shit in football. And when it's for your team and it's helping you out, you just drink it up even more. And And you need these type of characters within your team to help shift the uh, momentum in your way and to, to kind of see how the game pans out. Because if you don't do those things, like it used to annoy me. Like, I love Poch, man. I fucking really love Poch. But sometimes when he used to take the professional approach and, uh, I, you know, I won't say anything and I'll, I'll keep myself to myself and I'll, I'll play it cool and I'll be an adult about this. Sometimes I just wanted him to to like to fucking lash out and say what he's what every Tottenham fan was thinking about uh, uh, kind of uh, the ref's performance in a certain game or the, how another manager has conducted himself and how he should just coat that manager off or whatever. But um, yeah, I I, I think um, it's good what Connor he's doing really. <clears throat> there's um, there's there, there are some. Fans out there that are saying that Spurs celebrating the last minute winner like that was um, a little bit kind of I don't know like we'd won we'd won something or it it was the second game of the season why are you celebrating in the way that you are and all fans do this to other clubs but I don't know what you make of that Mark it's it, it happens all the time and if it's not your fan base doing it then. You know, everyone else is going to cuss it out. Arsenal celebrated a what was it two all draw with West Brom. So yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's West Brom, and 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 and, right, and, and this, I mean, this is Chelsea. So it's 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 even more justified. We're always going to get this shit, and we we just have to. It's but you know what? It's kind of similar to. I wanted to to butt in after the Rick's point on the like if we're the baddies or not. It's kind of the same. It's the same point for me. Is is we're thinking about others, like we're thinking about other people's or other fan bases' opinions of us, and we shouldn't we shouldn't give a shit anymore. Um, we we had it during, like you said, Rick, during during Pochettino's uh, era, where everyone kind of liked us because you know oh, we were we were plucky, we were underdogs, and we were sort of you know we were doing the four two three one, and we had Ericsson, and we had all the Kane coming through, and we had all these you know players, and but we weren't upsetting the apple cart really because no one was really missing out uh, because we were we were doing it, um, and now we are now we're starting to really. To, to, to throw ourselves around a little bit and people don't like it you know people don't like change they don't like they don't like strangers who are these but, new people that they're going to take what I have away from me and that, that's that's what people are reacting to that's why they hate us all yes yeah. so yeah it's it's um so yeah I, I love it we should drink it up we should keep going you know this, this has happened to to all you know Ch- Chelsea had this when they came through and they become a they became a force to be reckoned with everyone fucking hate Chelsea I don't know we still hate Chelsea for, for good for good reason 
But a lot of that's gone away from like the general fan bases. So well, this is... maybe it's just our turn, but it's fine. I always felt a bit uncomfortable with that Pochettino stuff about well, like if people are like really appreciative and even other fans were going, yeah, I really like the way you play. I really like Pochettino, and like I was sitting thinking like, like you that you 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 you're, you're comfortable with Spurs being sort of good because you you still don't see it as a threat because we're playing nice football, but fundamentally, when it come on top, we would get beaten. And 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 throughout Pochettino's reign, as good as it was, um, we that there were times where, well, we didn't get over the line. We didn't go over the line. And even in Pochettino's era towards the, towards the, you know, you know, the middle part and, and, and the latter third, where we were really good and became spiteful and thinking, going back to the battle of the bridge, um, where then the kind of mood towards Tottenham changed. It's like, hold on, this isn't what we accept. This isn't what we think Tottenham should be. We want the, the Tottenham that play nice football, but are easy to beat. Well, Against Chelsea and and in, and and in other, you know, you know, times under the Pochettino era, where we didn't play well, but we made it difficult. Under Conte, it's gone up a level, where we, if we'll, we'll find ways to win, and winning is all important, and that is unfamiliar for for Spurs, and it's unfamiliar for the way people think about Tottenham. And fans from other football clubs hate us; they all, they already do, which is fine. And I don't know why, because, you know, we have well, we've won two League Cups. That's it in, in 20 years. So they shouldn't hate us, but for some reason they do. And eventually it's going to really hurt when we do win. Because not only will we be that club you hate, but it will be that club you have to watch celebrate as well, which is going to be so much harder because people are used to Chelsea celebrating 20, million, sorry, 20 years with £1.6 billion investment. You know, Manchester City being the club they are, Arsenal winning trophies... In, in the last couple of decades, people expected from Man United and Liverpool. No one wants Tottenham to win. And that's why they react so badly when Tottenham go to, to Chelsea and behave the way we did and get a result when we didn't deserve it. I think it's... I don't give a shit whether people like us anymore and I'm happily be the baddies. It's ridiculous, man. Like People like saying... Or trying to take digs at us because we celebrated in that way. We scored in like the 96th minute... At Chelsea, a, a ground where I think we've won once in 30 years or some shit. And, like, our rivalry is on par uh, with uh, the Tottenham-Arsenal rivalry. And, like, absolutely two teams detesting each other. And everything else that's gone on within the game of the bits with, you know, Romero, ta- tackles being left in, Conte and Tuchel. And then Kane pops up with a winner. And you're telling me we ain't well, going to go a draw, mad. a draw, a draw. Oh, sorry, sorry, draw. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, funny. I, I, yeah Kane said that in the BBC yeah, interview. Exactly. <laughs> I, um, I got carried away then as well. But um, it's exactly. But it felt like a win, like, though, didn't it? Because you, emotions, you... emotions get the best of you. And but, what is the fucking point of going to football if you can't express that when you when you score and equalise in in like 96 minutes? It's it's stupid, but, and I get why people do that because they want to take you down. And like you were saying, that everyone. Um, hates Tottenham so that everyone will jump on that bandwagon because they want to take us down a peg or two but uh, I don't fucking it just it makes it even more sweeter for me but do, do, do you think that the people think that this was any about anything other than the fact that we denied Chelsea the opportunity to gloat we denied Arsenal the opportunity to go now you've lost we're three points ahead of you you know we've won two or whatever all this was about all of it 
like not of players and the fact because it's different from them. It's, the, it's a competitive nature for them, and, and they want to do well on the pitch. And Conte wants his tactics to when he wants to, you know, be able to get one up on his on, on on his fellow managers and cement his place as one of the great managers. That's their motive, and it should be always. But for fans, for Spurs fans, it was just simply saying, "You thought you had it. You thought you had it." And we found a way to deny you the opportunity to enjoy your football club for a day. And the fact that we've managed to instill that in what is probably millions of Chelsea fans around the world, all have had a worse a day because of Harry Kane's header. And that is what football is all about, in spewing misery on others. <laughs> and, and then reveling in it, rolling around in it like a little worm. It's what it's all about. It's what it's all about, and that's what, what that's what the Spurs fans were celebrating. Rick, don't you think? Like they, they were just celebrating the fact that Chelsea didn't get to celebrate. Yeah, the totally. Point... I mean, like um, Chelsea. To be fair, like they had some really good chances, and they should have won it. It should have been out of sight for them, and they should have kind of sharp shot got got the been in front. I think they they went two one up in was it was it seventy seven minutes? Was it yeah. slightly earlier? Whenever it was. But if, if they're a team for challenging and it's against Tottenham, who always lose at Stamford Bridge, and it's, you know, it's a formality, foregone conclusion, and then we fucking score in the 96 minutes. They it, would have been well, so... I mean, they would have been like... Most of them would probably have been back in, in the boozers around Stamford Bridge, raised in a glass, done it again against Tottenham. But and we, then that fucking happens. But we know, we know, because... Um... There's a couple of so we've all been in that situation in the stadium where we've been done by a late goal or what like my 88 minutes we've been all over Wigan and they break away and score a whole break away and score and and you just think oh fuck's sake and then or Arsenal score in the last minute or whatever it might be we've all we understand even if we're not Chelsea fans and we don't affiliate with them at all we don't understand them as a as a fan base we do understand what it's like to concede a, a last minute goal. In, in a game that you're desperate for it not to happen. But you've seen the, uh, you probably, I don't know if you have seen, but there's been like, I don't know why people upload them, but there's been Chelsea fans uploading videos from their end of the Spurs sort of end. Because Perisic is about to whip this in and we score. And you just hear the Chelsea fans going, oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and that sinking, oh. that sinking, heart feeling that they, that they felt, that dip, feeling their morale, the rest of their day is going to be fucked. You know, the dinner's not going to taste as nice when they get home. The trip to the pub, will, instead of jubilant celebration, is sort of anger and, and, and commiseration and fury at Tottenham. We changed, fundamentally turned their Sunday into what was going to be a good Sunday, where they're going to kind of walk into into work with a little sort of you know what like, would you say like a chip in bit, their step bit 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 uh, bit chipper yeah they're going to be walking in a bit chipper looking at, looking at, waiting for the same morning to everyone yeah all How right love weekend? you're all right and then and then Spurs happened <laughs> Tottenham oh, Hotspur and ruined everything for them. <laughs> Anyway, and so that ru- ruined it for, for a lot of other teams that hate us, thinking, oh, yeah, Tot- Tottenham getting done again and blah, blah, blah. 
And then we get that. Then we get the equalising in the way we did it. I bet like Gooners, West Ham, everyone's absolutely sick with it. Sick to the back. Fucking sick. Of Tottenham Hotspur. Anyway, we're going to break down the game shortly in the, the, in the more tactical element of it. Um, shortly, but we're, we'll, um, we're just going to listen to these messages. All right, what's, uh... All right so um, let's, let's go into the football a little bit because Chelsea, despite everything we just said, were good. They were, they were good, Mark. And we were kind of, um, I think a lot of us, and actually, I, I had thought that while I think that Chelsea's demise is fast coming and they're not going to be the football club that they were under Abramovich, they can't be. 20 years, like I said earlier, £1.6 billion of investment. There will be no other chairman in the world that not only that there may be some that are willing, they can't with the rules the way they are. You've seen the way Newcastle, Newcastle are the richest club in the world and they cannot spend the way Man City and Chelsea did because of the rules. So I just... I'm, I know that the, the, the Chelsea becoming a much more sort of just a, a less financially dope football club is their future, but I think I got carried away with that and then and thought that that's what's happening right now. But they've got Koulibaly and Sterling and uh, some really good fucking players. Mason Mount was incredible. Um, was you was you in the camp of saying yeah that we you know it's over for Chelsea? We're now the top dogs because we're clearly not on the pitch just yet. Uh, I, yeah, I, I probably was. Um, well, I definitely was. There's there's audio recordings, evidence <laughs> of it. So I definitely was. I don't think I can run away from that. But yeah, um, I mean, I think it was it was not it was not a mad take though, because you look at you look at some of the upheaval they went through, and you look at. I mean, I know preseason doesn't doesn't mean anything, but Tuchel looked proper rattled uh, in some of his post game interviews and stuff. So, you know, they were they they had players. Running down their contracts, left, right, and centre. Andres Christensen, Rudiger, Aspilicueta, who's still who's now just signed an extension. But the, you know, Alonso's still going, um, and I was I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to to, to really uh, integrate all these new big names. And to be honest, they they still lack something. They definitely still lack a striker. You could tell yesterday, Havertz and, and Sterling and and Mount. Um, they're not going to. You know, you're not going to get a, a, a one out of a thousand, one out of a fifteen thousand Koulibaly volley from the top of the penalty box. You're not going to get that every game. They, they still, so they fucking, still have lots that of gaps. So frustrating. Like, he hasn't so scored cool. a goal in fucking forty years, yeah. And, yeah. and that was one of the best goals I've ever seen from a centre back. It was fucking first insane. home game, right? Absolutely, and and totally, we totally didn't prep for it, and we we left him. It's not like you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you know, we should have we should have covered him and all that sort of stuff, but. What the fuck is the centre back going to do at the edge of the penalty box? Man? But just just on that, the, 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 yeah. there was footage of Son pointing at him to Emerson Real, and Emerson sort of shrugging like, "No, I'm, I'm in my position. I'm doing what I'm I, yeah, I'm asked to do here." Yeah, that's and that's the thing is is he's been. I think that's something I did notice from yesterday is we look quite rigid, and I think I guess maybe that's and I'm totally just musing, pulling shit out of the thin air here. But I think one of the, the downsides maybe of Conte's way of instilling his his way of of working into people is maybe they get a little bit scared of not following following orders and and we know when we def- we defend corners only so so if that's the zone emerson's been told to cover he's not necessarily going to step out of it because then he leaves he he was also the, the he was covering the far post there was no one behind him so if he pushes up too far there's a huge gap right behind him so i think he probably thought you know what i'm gonna leave this to koulibaly and well, but can- by, by the same token like 
nine times out of 100, he doesn't strike that as sweet as he That's it. it, it that's, that's what I mean. I, I think I would have probably made that decision as well. And it's got probably a risk worth now. taking. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, to, to answer your question, I, I was definitely writing Chelsea off. Chelsea are definitely very strong still. Um, they've still got more gaps. I still don't think they're quite as strong as they were at this point last season. Um, but they were definitely up against it against, uh, against us. And so were their fans, you know, they had fucking T-fills of Todd Bowley and flags and all sorts. Like, give me a break. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, Rick, what did, what, what did you make of it? What did, what did you make of, um, so to begin with, um, oh man, it was such a, a roller coaster of emotions, really. I mean, regardless of, of the score, it was when we when we first started out. It was this thing of obviously one once there in thirty years, so that's gonna, it's going to be an uphill task anyway. Um, but then I was excited because the, of our performance against Southampton. Um, we signed six new players, so I thought we'd be strengthened and it would be a different team that that uh, played Chelsea when we did last season. But then also we lost to them. We lose three times to them last season. And I thought, you know, if we could get a draw or a win, then that would be um, an improvement from when we last played them. So I had all these different things going through. Like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. Oh, no, maybe, yeah, the Stanford Bridge. Yeah, but we signed six players. Oh, no. But... So I was at, at the time I was nervous. And when they read the team out, we didn't have one new player in there. Yeah, you can, I, I heard you. And I was, I, I was a bit... Um, a you punched bit, the wall. Before the game even start, you punched you punched your front run wall. No, it was one of my kids. Oh, the kids. He punched yeah, the kids. Yeah. So I knew I knew that, but I didn't know if you wanted that out there. <laughs> That's fine. Which one? The little one or the big one? Little one. Definitely. Little one. Yeah, she can't defend herself as well. Yeah, and the big one broke my finger through playing football at my, at my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want another football. Don't want another broken finger. <laughs> you're scared of her now, aren't you? Yeah. She's 13 and you're scared of her. <laughs> uh, she's, 10. She's, she's 10. She's 10. She's 10. She broke your finger you. and she's 10 years old. Yeah, I know. She's the same size as you? Uh, slightly smaller. Slightly uh, smaller. Anyway, so you punched but, your kid uh, and then what? Yeah, um, so I was, I was annoyed and I kind of um, I had this feeling of where Conte was saying, are oh, we you know, out with the old rule of buying uh, young, inexperienced kind of uh, rough diamonds um, that have a sell-on value. No, 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 no. We need to buy players that are Premier League ready. We need to be play- We need to buy players that are winners, that have that experience, that pedigree. So I thought uh, Perisic would be, you know, definite shouting there. And that's not to say that Cesc had a bad game against Southampton. It's to say that this guy has that in his locker, his experience and pedigree, as I've just said. And he is, uh, he knows that position really well and he's teaching Cess. And I just thought that he would be on the front foot and he would be able to, at the time, I thought it would be pushing Reese James back. But then it was, um, who was it who's playing that kind of uh, right wing back role for them? Lost his cheek. That's Lost his cheek. Um, so it was, it was a kind of a decision that wasn't really expecting and then, I, and I just, yeah, just, you know, obviously six new players and you think, well, some of them might come in and it was basically a copy and paste of the team that we that we um, played against them last season. So I was a bit down on that. And then after the first half, you know, the first, te- there was the first maybe 10 minutes, we had, a, they had a chance and we had a chance. I think Sonny broke 
loose, was it maybe? Or someone broke loose. Yeah, we had a quick like one, two, like two touches and we were sort yeah, of away. And uh, and I thought we could have done something. So that gave me a bit of hope. I thought, hello, like we've had that. That's, that's the first warning for them. And even though they had a chance on their side. But then they just took control and it felt very much like the previous games where they pressured us into mistakes. Like It just felt like we couldn't. We couldn't progress the ball further up. And every time they had it, uh, it felt like they had an extra man creating those kind of uh, triangles uh, and then moving the ball up quicker than we were. And then every time we got the ball back, they were on us straight away like a rash. And we just couldn't, we just didn't have that. Like every time I felt like it would go into our midfield, that it would just go back to them. Whereas Mm. when it came into theirs, they felt like, it felt like they were just a bit more technical and used to that short passing range and moving the ball and outmaneuvering us. And it felt like I'd see, already seen this program over and over again. You know what happens here type thing. So I the guess... first half, it, it was um, it, it was a tough viewing. But um, what one thing I did notice that did flash up on the screen, Sky Sports, uh, was the XG. And uh, theirs was only marginally... Uh, better than ours it's quite equal but even i think we had more had of the possession we had more shots on target at the end of the game than they did so that i mean it, it tells it tells a different side of the story is yeah they had the possession but were they taking their chances or, or have uh, <clears throat> or have better chances than us and i mean maybe it, on, it wasn't in there well yeah maybe maybe on another day they would have done and they, they, they definitely were the better team but i think you can't be lost the fact that and conte alluded to us in these post-match interview was the fact that this is this is a like a top tier European team. It's not. Mm. This isn't Brentford doing this to us. It's Chelsea are, and I, I, like I said, I think we all got a little bit caught up in Chelsea's demise, and 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 that was completely premature based on what we saw in this 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 performance. But if Chelsea are going to be at the top of their game, and if Chelsea are at the top of their game, then they the talent they have in their squad is unreal. Like Mason Mount, England international. England are one of the best international teams in the world. He starts. Um, Havertz, one of the best forwards in the world, starts for Germany. You've got Koulibaly, who's been sensational in Italy. So my point is, is that they are a really good team, and I think we all got caught up a little bit in, in Chelsea's demise. I think for but, me as well, that I, 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 didn't, I didn't get caught up in Chelsea's demise. I think I maybe got carried away with... We've signed six players. We've got Conte. There was a good feeling against Southampton and the way we finished last season. I thought we would have we, we would be better. Um, and I was in the first half. I was disappointed with, with uh, Sonny and Kane. Not that uh, they changed games on their own, but I just felt like um, they just weren't in the game at I just all. Think the, the Chelsea press nullified. Yeah, just nullified so them it, completely. And, and normally that would be a, a bit of a a bright spark. A bright spot in any game if Kane can still manoeuvre and ping balls around the corner. If Sonny can still, but there was none of that, and that's when I, I, I did, uh, I did panic a bit as to say, like, fucking hell, how is this second half going to turn out? Mark, how do you think the um, introduction of the new players is going to pan out in the, um, the, you know, as we move forward in the season? Like, is Perisic going to start soon? Will Basuma start starting? You know, some of these other players. That we've brought in, are we going to see them? Is it is or or, or do you think Conte is going to stick with the same lineup that finished last season? Bearing in mind we have in the Premier League, I think we're unbeaten in nine. If you, I think he's, yeah, 
No, I, th- I think he's still reasonably happy with his uh, with the, the team that's, he started twice. That's now. A, sorry, that's a nine that included uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal. So it's not yeah, like it's not, nine against the shit. The draft. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad, but I, I get Ricky's frustration I, in, in 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 like, and that's why I'm asking the question: is when will sure. we see some of these new players that we assume are going to improve our first team? So I, th- I think we saw one clear benefit from the new from the new signings in, in Perisic over Cessna, you know, and especially in a big game like this was. Um, I don't know if it's quite at the level where he needs to, where he's starting yet, because he still needs a little bit more match fitness, which has been yeah, the, the that, biggest yeah. problem. But I think Perisic over Cessna will be the first new starter we see, or the new player we see starting over a, a, a previous first eleven. Um, I think Richarlison is still going to be a bench option for a while. Bissouma, there could, there's an argument for him instead of Bentoncourt. Uh, it looks like, and I'm not just saying that with my Viking helmet on, but it looks like Hoybier is still a, a favourite this season. Um, you know, he, he keeps just playing the full 90 and, and uh, he scores a goal. So I think he's still going to be, be, be preferred. Um, but we have, we, have to be, we have to be reasonably happy with that as well. Um, because yeah. they're, they're, they're too I mean if Perisic becomes fully match fit and he starts starting we are definitely going to see some of those things that we saw you know I mean his set pieces are amazing his cross I know his first corner delivery wasn't, wasn't great hit the first man but that, that, that just second on that, corner because, that, because there's a big thing made about that, that, that first corner he had where he hit the first man yes it happens all the time all the time some of the best players in the world For hit sure. the first man because of what they're trying sure. to do is so low I, percentage I, I, yeah, no, it's it's corners are there's a reasonably short uh, or, or low success rate from corners, even though in England you, f- you fucking love a corner of it. Oh, it's a corner! We got a goal. Yeah. We actually got a goal from a corner now, but the the the, the percentages from that are quite low. Um, but Perisic, and let's just let's just remember as well, Perisic took both those corners. He can take better corners with both feet than anyone else in that squad. I think also so just, a small goal just, threat, just want to pull you back there just for a second. What do you, what do you mean, in, especially in England, what we sort of, sort of fucking love? You Brit, you what, fucking what we, we don't understand the game. Love yeah, what, a corner. What, what do you I, don't, I don't get it. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. Yeah, Me I'm and Ricky, saying, we're Brits, right? Out, and we, we knew that we were going to score that second corner. You were going, I hope we score. We were like, this is a cult. In a little accent. Do you know, do you know why, I like, why I like corners? It's uh, something like the childlike in me is that you get to see your players that are up close and personal. Like you get to see Sonny right fucking next to you. It's right. mad. It's so Still good, isn't it? Day, I'm it, like, this is fucking mad. Look at you. It is also fun. You get that little suck in of breath and you go, <gasps> as the ball comes in, you know, both when you're defending and attacking. But, it's, it yeah. is quite fun. Even but, as like, we're, we're all men in, I'm in my forties. I don't know what you're in. Your, you guys are both in your late thirties, aren't you? Right, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're all, we're similar age, right? We're similar age. Very late thirties, yeah. Right. So we and, and and when you're in the ground, especially where Ricky used to sit in White Hart Lane, and I and I think you're still quite close to the front. Yeah. But but even as an old older man, as I'm becoming, it's certainly into middle age based on my lifestyle. I'm, I'm probably pretty much past it. But the um the for, what just just when you're on on the on the touchline or close to it and then you see like you said Sonny at the front post or Kane walks past you it's so strange that they I, like that I could probably father a couple of those the, the age difference would mean that I could like legitimately and no one would look at me like I was like throwing my dick around at a very young age legitimately have kids in that first team and I look at them like them or that I'm their son like if I, met, I think if I met Kane I'd be like 
like it's like my I'm I'm just talking to my dad. That's how it's how weird it is. And it's so weird to see him in the flesh up front. So like like, like that's it's, so that's why English people like corners. Yeah. Not because of your sense. Yeah, all right, I understand football, the technical aspect of it and corner is not actually that effective, so I'm not gonna enjoy the corner. That your world, like fuck that world. You live in that on your own. Me and Ricky will enjoy corners if if that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, corners are shit. But anyway, we had yeah, we, we we could be good at corners now. We've got Perisic and uh, it was great. So it's, yeah, it's, well, it's great that, that that Perisic can take an in swing corner effectively from both sides. Mm-hmm. Like that second corner, I, I don't think enough has been made of how good that corner was. It took out the entire uh, Chelsea team because yep. they're banking on the fact that it hits near post because it happens so much. There was five of them grouped. There's a photo that shows four Spurs players alone as Kane leapt to head that ball. I wasn't sure who scored. I was convinced that Richarlison had scored because yeah. he ran away. But you saw the replay is that Kane fell in the net. <laughs> so he scored. He bundled into the net. He fell. Everyone's going mad and celebrating the fact that he is. And then Kane comes out of nowhere with his arms celebrating like he'd scored. And I was like, why is he claiming the goal? Because I, I hadn't seen it. I thought Richardson had and uh, yeah, the, the mayhem ensued. Um, I, don't know, I don't know where I was going with that. It was just mental. It was amazing. And I love the fact that Kane just ran into the crowd. It's almost like everything has been forgotten about him now. Um, just on Kane, um, he scored seven goals in seven games against top six opposition since Conte arrived. So that was an interesting stat, I thought. Yeah. Flying under him. Um, what did you make of the impact of Richarlison when he came on? Obviously, he was, there, was, there were balls bouncing off, of, off him somewhat, but harrying the, the pressure, the, the, the energy, the, the needle that he was given was kind of, we needed to upset the rhythm somewhat. And while we went to that back four and it became a little, little bit more open for Chelsea, we had to gamble. That was a decision Conte made. We had to gamble. What did you make of his inclusion, Ricky, as he came on? Uh, taking Cess off and bringing him on, I was like, I don't, I, I, I don't know how we're lining up now. I'd literally, it's, I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know tactically. I don't know how he's going to fit in. What are we going to have four up top? Like, how, how is this going to work out? Are we going to go to back four? But who's going to fit? You know, all these things playing out in your head. And I think it's exactly the thing that got us back into the game where it's disrupting, where Chelsea was so pretty dominant in the first half, and then bringing Richarlison on, that you've got an extra runner there. You've got Kane and Richarlison up close together as well. Like, where's Sun going to go? Where's Kulisevsky? Like, who's got who? Like, and that's exactly the thing that we needed to do to disrupt how they were, who was picking up who, and, and where the balls were going into. So I thought it was great. And then it was really interesting as well because then obviously uh, Tuchel changed his uh, formation as well. And he made a stuff. I think it was Jorginho went off and I can't remember who else came on. Mm. Um, but it was just really interesting to see both of them trying to get the upper hand of each other and just tra- just changing the different tactics and tweaking it. And you could see how in the game it was playing out because the game was swinging in both directions that who the dominant team was. But um, like uh, Mark was saying earlier, like again, like bringing in a player like uh, Richarlison, he's, he may be not getting the first team, but when you're smashing down 50 mil and then you have a player that's reading lots of um, like Everton forums and seeing how that, that, how they received him 
Um, I actually met an Everton fan on holiday and he was saying the, the guy is just a workhorse and like all this other shit that you see about him in the papers, that he's n- not a hard worker, he's going to have the arse because he ain't in the first team. He, he said it's total and utter bullshit. He'll be there for the team. He's a great person. He works hard. And that, that's the type of impact that you're expecting when, when he gets brought on. What, what did you make of his inclusion and, and the kind of tactical change, Mark? What did you, what did you make from... from... From what went I thought on. it was, I thought it was brilliant. At first, like Ricky, I was a bit like, "What the fuck?" And I thought we were going to go to a four, 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 two to start with. Um, it was evident we we're going to go to a four back four, um, and then it turned out to be a four-two-four four, um, or a four-two-two-two, which is kind of a, a one of Tuchel's uh, preferred plan Bs as well. What you um, saying? Yeah, you saying that you might be playing mind games with uh, Tuchel? Then, Just, yeah, I'll have a little, that. A little, a little bit. He pulled a little bit of a of a sneaky one on him. But um, he, took all, I, hmm? I rated, I, I rated the, I rated the, the ballsiness of it. Like we could have got. I loved stu- it. I was all in when you take off a defender and you put on a, a striker, not just a, an attacking midfielder or a, you know number eight or whatever, but an actual striker. That that's a that's a big ballsy move, and I fucking loved it. I'm absolutely here for it, and it's something we did criticise Conte a little bit for for not doing last season. But he didn't have the bench to do it, so you know, we, we called him pragmatic on more than one occasion, I think. And, and and this this wasn't pragmatic. This was a this was a big formation change to to have played three at the back for his entire time to all of a sudden go four at the back and then stay roughly with the same midfield, but then have four strikers either in a flat four or, or two and two. Um, at Chelsea away, no less. At Chelsea away, and and we're chasing the game like that. That is that's ballsy, and I loved it. And and what I was really impressed about is how quickly the players adapted to it as well. Because you could just tell straight away that they, they adapted to it and they they understood it and they were up for it as well. It wasn't like he was trying something and they you know they didn't buy into it. They were absolutely up for it. We we all of a sudden something clicked. Tuchel is then to to his the, the faint if we can throw him the faintest of praise, he really quickly sussed that out and, and changed his formation as well to I feel like it was more of a three, four, three, but, but, um, but yeah, man, like it's, it's so good to see us have that ability to, to change how we set out and, and, and that the players look up for it and they, they look sharp. And, and Richarlison was definitely uh, a huge, huge part of that. It was great to see. Um, well, they, also they, Perisic. They, yeah. Perisic for sure. But Richarlison, while we won't, get any plaudits because of those like there was a couple of times where it came to him and 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 it kind of sort of bounced off him a little bit it wasn't quite as neat and tidy as you'd hope but he didn't give the Chelsea defenders or the midfielders a moment's pause he just always always was on them he didn't they they haven't didn't have a moment to set he was there and he was harrying he was fresh you know and and while you might look at it and think well you want we, you want Conte's changes or any, any manager of any club that you support will want their manager to make changes and suddenly the complete flow of the game changes and you, you're dominant. Like in an ideal world, that's what happens when you bring on some new players or, or, or just bring on some subs. But in this instance, that wasn't going to happen. And what we needed to do is find a way to just get back in the game and get that point or win. And it wasn't pretty... But Conte's changes, even if they did come late, did have an impact. And we didn't lose the game. Richardson did make an impact. Perisic did. And maybe he was using Perisic as uh, a player that wasn't completely fit. Who could only play 30 minutes against, or 25 minutes, or whatever it might be, against uh, a team as good as Chelsea. So, what I'm asking is, do you give 
credit to Conte for changing it and going a little bit more gung-ho, or do you think we got lucky, Rick? Oh, no, you have to. Uh, you have to give credit, totally, because the way that the uh, first half went, um, you just kind of felt that if the game continued in that trajectory of how Chelsea were of possession and the chances they were getting, that we weren't, we weren't giving them something different to think about. So it, the game was just going to play out, and I think Chelsea probably would have won. But by doing this, I think um, it really did. Uh, it did give them something to think about, and they had to change it. So definitely, uh, the, I'm not one for um, for saying that. Oh, this you know, uh, this game was great. Battle of the tacticians and mind games and stuff like that, because that ain't my thing. But it was fucking great. It really so much, was so much fun. Yeah, it's, it was. It was. Uh, it, it's. It's good. It was really good to see. There's not. There's nothing more that you can guarantee with Conte being at the helm than at times we're brilliant, and then other times it's just going to be mayhem. You have to accept it. If we lose, there's going to be mayhem. There'll be fallout to his comments. Or if we saw yesterday where Conte uh, Conte goes to shake Tuchel's hand, and. Um, and, and and Tuchel grabs hold of it and he turns around and, t- and, and, and Conte's going, oh, what the fuck are you doing? You're grabbing hold of my hand. Tuchel went, look, you've got to look me in the eyes. There's literally video footage of last season where he shook Sean Dyche's hand and didn't look him in the eyes and Sean Dyche pulled him up on it. There was like commotion. And uh, so uh, my point is, is he's a rat. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, we hate him. But, uh, but the, po- the point is also is that there's never a dull moment with Conte in charge. Did you see the uh, footage of Richarlison after Conte had been given the red card for the fallout? Richarlison grabbed the ref and just kept walking over and pointing at Conte. That's so funny. I'm, I'm, li- I'm literally watching it as I'm talking. He's, he's, pointing, at, he's pointing at Conte, literally pointing at him as Conte's walking by. The ref gives, gives Tuchel the red card. Tuchel looks at him. And and Richarlison just sort of shrugs, like, "What do you want me to do? Of course, I'm going to do this. Obviously, I'm going to do this. Why?" Are you... <laughs> it was fantastic. We we have got a, a team that is is born to win. Like, and God knows what we will do this season, but there are we're just acting in a different way now, and I'm I'm all for it. Let's just see what will happen. Uh, we'll have a quick break now for these messages, but uh, we'll do your questions just now. Let's get into the questions, then, boys. We haven't got many, right? Because I put, I, put a, I put a request out for questions as we always do on the Fighting Cock on Twitter. And it almost all of them were to do with Tuchel and, uh, understandably, Tuchel and Conte. Um, but we'll answer the questions that weren't about that so much because we've, we've obviously covered over and over again. Um, Connor Malaf, he says, do you agree yesterday showed the need to bring in reinforcements into the back five? Conte's system allows players like Dyer and Davies to look better than they are, um, but they are not at the level required to seriously challenge. Mark, you go. Um, I think I've said this before. Uh, I, we can upgrade on a lot of our players, um, and I think we're going to see it in some of the really big games. But but you know, like right now, there's no need to panic. There's certainly not anyone there that's that's a massive worry or a massive gap um but yeah look we, we we can absolutely upgrade on on a couple of the players that we relied a lot on last season um Dyer Davies Hoybier for sure 
Um, but it's not not to a degree that we should like shit our kicks. And can we and challenge the league with da- Davies and uh, and Dyer? I'm not saying we uh, can't. I, I, I think we can, but there are people I think, out there. That I think don't we. Agree. No, I agree. But people are looking at that through the prism of of the, the, the teams that we're going to be comparing ourselves to are your your Liverpool's. I mean, when Joel Matip joined Liverpool, no one was saying "fuck me, he's brilliant." But now they're saying Joel Matip's a, a, a brilliant centre back. You know, uh, Trent Alexander Arnold wasn't a world beater when he joined Liverpool. That these things kind of evolve. Um, we do need to get over the line. We do need to win something. But once we get once we get uh, something to show for all this, um, these players will have a lot uh, easier time of convincing our fans or not fans, non fans that that they, they do belong in this side. Um, I so I think Davies is a brilliant footballer, um, but I think we can we can upgrade on him, for instance. Ricky, what do but you yeah. make of what, what do you make? You strike me as a man, Ricky, who uh, who wants some new sort of sexy European signings. To, yeah, to take over yeah. from from Dyer, some Germans, yeah. some Germans, some yeah, Germans, some Hoffenheim, keep, yeah, keep Romero, <laughs> gymnasts, and, German gymnasts, yeah, uh, and get four new players in. That's what I say. Nah, um, I would, yeah, exactly what Mark's just said. Really, I think Davies. I think Longley could do a job there. I think he's probably better uh, using the ball um, and helping uh, beat the press, but then also. We don't know what his defensive capabilities are, and Ben Davies is an actually good defender. Um, so, what it's, <clears throat> do we want to go out and spend? I don't, I don't think we're going to go out and spend um, a big chunk of money on this uh, left centre back that we're after, like uh, Bastoni or the guy from Leipzig. Pau Torres. Oh, the, uh, yeah, or, or, or Pau Torres. And. Um, I can't. I just. I can't see there being a late transfer or anything off the ground. It, it doesn't sound like there's been any movement with any of those players. Um, so, defense-wise, ah, oh man, it's it's tough because. Uh, do you think? I can't even remember now, but I don't think Spence was even on the bench. Was he on on Sunday? Um, yeah, he was. Wasn't he? No, no, he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. Oh, right. no, he wasn't named in the squad. I think he was there. Uh, watching, I saw him on but, a pitch. That's why. That's why I thought that. Um, so, like, we had Royale. Doherty was on the subs bench, but where was Spence? Like, I, I'd like. I'd like to. Like, we bought this, um, you know, uh, young talent who's known for just motoring up that uh, that right hand side as a wing back. We've seen him give other teams uh, problems. And I felt like we could have um, pushed Chelsea back and made a bit more going forward um, and ca- and using someone that can carry the ball pushing forward. Um, but that option wasn't even on the bench. It was just Doherty and Royal. So it's like, do you know, oh, do man, I don't, I don't want to say, shall we buy another right back? But <laughs> I mean, like, is... It won't be. A, it certainly won't be a defensive right back, but it may be, you know, because the fact that Lucas Moura came on as a right wing back Late oh, on, fuck yeah, fucking hell, fucking hell. So if they're gonna buy anyone, it'll be someone who can, who is better at, better at, you know, playing. It's in the same way that uh, Loftus Cheek did and, and the right wing back, and Victor Moses did, and Conte's Chelsea. Um, so if it is, it's gonna be a forward player who plays there rather than, you know, another right defensive right wing back. But, um. I, I always so whenever someone says that about like and, and I thought about it as well about Jed Spence coming in, excited about him, 
Like we were really excited about Troy Parrott when he when when Mourinho was at Spurs, and Mourinho made a point of putting him in the side so that we could see that he wasn't ready. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came in. He was. Sorry, go on. We've had a similar thing with Dane Scarlett as well, and 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 it's quite dangerous. I mean, we just met, we just talking about ten minutes ago. Sessignon was has been brilliant, and and we've got really high hopes for Sessignon, but he definitely wasn't probably wasn't mentally ready for this game, and and got shown up a little bit. And I think I think we need we need players that have that that mental fortitude, and 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 so. I, that's that's a big part of I think why Conte is still holding back on Spence a little bit. I think he's definitely got the the ego to do it, but does he have the actual the, the fortitude and the aptitude to 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 be there and do it? I'm not a hundred percent sure. So um, yeah, I, th- I think that if we do sign players, certainly this window, probably in January as well, it'll be less of a future signings and it'll be more players that can come in and, and, and strengthen from 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 day one. Um, to, just to go back to that choice. Uh, Troy Parrott thing was that that like two years ago we we wanted him to to play and two you know, two years later he's on loan at Preston North End so not to say that he couldn't be cultivated and he could have had a, a better career but I think like you just have to you just have to trust like as fans we just think oh well it, that Jets Pence is good like we've seen we've seen the YouTube videos and we saw how attacking he was but there's there's one thing being really attacking and effective in the championship and. One thing being doing it at Stamford Bridge in the Premier League is like mm. two games into the season, maybe it was too much. But I just ten it. minutes, that's all I asked. Just just a cheeky ten. <laughs> but, but he, did, he didn't. And then the whistle blows on ninety-three. Eight minutes. But he just didn't put him on, and we look at him. <laughs> no, but he didn't put him on, and we drawed. So that's true. I, I, he he will play. He will, he'll get games against uh, in the League Cup and maybe in the FA Cup. We're going to take the FA Cup seriously, I hope. But um, yeah, not then, maybe. Although maybe maybe I'm wrong and he, he could have been absolutely fantastic. Um, that was it pretty much from uh, um, the questions. I have had a little look on Twitter and there are a couple more that might work. Um, Finnez, he says, do you think that this is progress from last season? Have we made progress, Ricky? Uh, yeah, did we lose to, didn't we lose to Southampton at home? Yes, so, we did. so we got three points there, and we lost. The... Did we lose to Chelsea away? Yeah, we did. Progress. Six I new don't... players. Oh. Progress. I don't, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think. I don't know what where Finners was coming. I don't. I don't think he's saying that there wasn't. I think maybe he's asking the question. Mark, do you, do you think? You think that there's been progress? There hasn't there. Of course, yeah. There's been massive progress. Um, you know, we, we, we've got a, a bench this season, which we didn't have before. We've got Conte has had a pre-season, which he hasn't had so far. Um, there's, there's been progress in our backroom staff. Uh, Levy has done what we've wanted him to do for, for, for years and years and years and stepped away a little bit and had a director of football in. There's been massive amount of progress. And we will... We haven't massively. We saw it at the tail in the last season in terms of footballing results, but we haven't even we haven't seen any this season so far. But the first two, the first two results are, are really encouraging, um, and all the other moves that we've made, all the other progress, uh, a lot of it off the pitch, bodes very very well. It does indeed. I think we'll round it up here. And um, there, there was a question about which fan base will we <coughs> um, trigger next, and I think there's going to be many many 
that are upset with our players and upset with Romero's antics and Charleston's antics and the way Conte behaves. But fuck it, we're all in. We have to be all, all in. All of them, I hope. Yeah, every single club. I've um, uh, Can I say something on that? I, I seem to have really upset the Brentford fan base. How? There's only like 12 of them. I, I called them out for... Uh, and, well, yeah, they're all on my fucking mentions, calling me a sexual offender and all sorts. Um, Why, what did you do? Because I, I, cussed, I cussed them out for booing Ericsson. I said they were a shit little club and I called them Tories. Um, and they, they didn't but, like it. But this, uh, is, this yeah. is because you I'm on my tweets. It's funny. But this is my issue, is that you're only saying that. If he wasn't Danish, you would never have called them out. This is you being a nationalist. And, and you called them out for being Tories, but you're worse. You're a nationalist. You're even more extreme right wing. You're defending your countrymen. What say no, you? No, 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 no. That's true. I'm, 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 uh, I'm defending a Spurs legend, an not? absolute top class player. You're not. They, you're they not. Just, they've totally rubbished. Where was you on Twitter? Where was you on Twitter when when Gareth Bale was having shoot shoes thrown at him? You were nowhere. I didn't see. I didn't see your uh, Twitter account going. I think the, it was the, a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is it's great, like, and I get it, and I would, def- I would be the same about. It, but don't, like, if it, if, if you're ever having a drink with Mark, don't bring up or or, or have a go at Danish players because he turns into a, like a, an extreme right wing nationalist. Uh, I think that's fair. To say. That is just not true. true. It's <laughs> true. Every like, Mark, every time, every time you like, like someone, like even when you say Hoybier should perhaps be dropped for Basuma, you're saying it for gritted teeth. I hate it, and I don't mean it. Yeah, it's normal. Definitely it's fine. Not. Everyone's proud of their country. It's fine. It doesn't mean you're a, mm. like a right wing nationalist, right? Okay, so uh, that is the <laughs> the end of the fighting cock. Uh, <laughs> just for the record, Mark Nesbitt isn't a right wing nationalist. Not a Tory. Very much not a Tory. Oh, well, but that's debatable. It's up to you what you say. Just say the right things and then people won't think that about you, would they? Mm-hmm. Ricky is a raving Tory. Uh, this has been the Fighting Cock. Bye. Cock, 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 cock. Podcast Network.